we are in a record-breaking week. If you're going to put uh, you know, your city on CNN and BuzzFeed and all that stuff, we at least got it for snow. Erie is now well-known, world-known world for snow. Um, snow is difficult, it's cumbersome, but I have been sort of giggling because Erie is, we're pretty nonchalant about it. Have you seen all those posts of people like uh, in their bathing suits running out and die? How many of you, did anyone do that? Okay, maybe you shouldn't admit it. <laughs> or, you know, they're making amazing snow hills and you guys are, we're just living in it. You know, it's a little bit inconvenient, but I love how Erie just goes out and we definitely know how to survive. Um, so I was thinking a little bit about... Um, the natural disasters this week. I saw this picture. I think WCTL posted it. It says, as you're shoveling, just think, we don't have hurricanes. We don't have hurricanes. We don't have hurricanes. Something positive, right? We have to have some type of positive light. Um, I actually saw a few months ago, I don't know if you did, there was an article released that said, the top 10 cities in America that have the least likely natural disasters. Have you seen this? And number two was Erie, Pennsylvania. Because so we don't we don't get hurricanes, we don't get tornadoes, we don't get tsunamis, we get snow, but we do a lot of it, uh, but we don't get that. And so it, it got me thinking. Um, I went to school in the Midwest, I went to school in Springfield, Missouri. In fact, Joel's college roommate is here today, John Henninger, and you do not want to hear any stories from college with them. Actually, you probably do, but ask them later. Nothing I can say up here. Um, but when I was in college there, um, the Midwest is known for tornadoes. They have a lot of tornadoes there, mostly because it's so flat. And um, I, in fact, when I was in college there, um, Joplin, Missouri, you might remember, just 45 minutes from where I went to school, a terrible tornado hit there, and there were many casualties, over 100 casualties. And so they're nothing to mess around with. Um, so when I was in college, I remember one afternoon, I was on my way to class, I looked out the window, some trees were bent in half. It looked green outside. My roommates, who were Missouri natives, were like, no big deal. You know, I'm thinking, something's wrong, you guys. This is not normal. And um, I went to my Earth Space Science class, I remember, and we had a test that day where we had to classify rocks, which has served very helpful in my adult life. Um, but anyway, so we were classifying rocks, and so I remember we were taking the test. It was very important, midterm, and the lights went out. And it was very, very dark because we were in the middle of the building. And so the teacher said, grab your things, grab your pencils, grab your rocks. Um, back then, we didn't all have cell phone flashlights. Many of you are thinking, no big deal. Just turn on your cell phone flashlight. But we didn't have those then. And uh, so we all went downstairs. And the teacher said, stand by the window <laughs> and um, look at the rocks. Okay, you guys, that's not a good idea during a tornado, all right? But she was very serious about this midterm, so we did that, and um, we stood by the window. And I remember after we left that class, the Sunoco sign at the gas station on the corner of campus uh, was completely knocked over, and there was all of this damage. And so little did we know, during our test, uh, a, a big tornado had passed by and had completely like, destroyed half of the campus. But I got an A on that test. I just want all of you guys to know, because I knew my rock classifications. Um, but, but that was a big deal there. And there was a lot of damage that was happening in that storm. Um, I'm sure you can remember Hurricane Katrina. Shake your head if you remember Hurricane Katrina. It's a, a storm happened. Um, it affected over 15 million people across seven states. In fact, a team of amazing volunteers right here from Erie First are going there uh, to Louisiana in just a few weeks to help with hurricane relief, and that happened in 2005. And so there's been, there was so much damage that still, all these years later, there's help needed in restoring um, things that, that were destroyed. 
And so I'm thinking about snow, thinking about tornadoes, and thinking about hurricanes, all of these sort of natural disasters. And in Matthew 7, Jesus is delivering a sermon. And he's, uh, it's a famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's actually a collection of topics, a collection of sermons that he has put together. And the topics are anger, lust, divorce, marriage, keeping promises, loving your enemies, worrying, fasting, praying, and so on. He, he kind of uh, formulates all of these different topics and he talks about them and he says, when you face this situation, here's how to handle it. And when you face this situation, here's how to handle it. And he finishes the sermon with this parable in Matthew 7, and this is where I just want to talk for a few minutes this morning. In the middle of our winter storm, Jesus is talking about a storm. In Matthew 7, 24 through 29, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it had a foundation on a rock But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. And so as we um, kind of look into 2018, and as you have thought about the great things that God has done in your life in 2017, I thought it would be fitting for us to think about the foundations of our house as we move into a new year, and what are maybe things that we need to adjust or change to make sure that the foundations of our house are made out of rock. And so the concept of this parable is pretty simple. Um, Jesus is, is pretty straightforward. Even me with no construction skills can interpret this. Rocks, good. Sand, bad, right? <laughs> Rocks, sturdy, uh, unmoving. Rocks are a good idea to build your house on. Sand is, you know... Um, flaky, unstable. And so he says, pick the rock, you know, pick, make good choices. Foolish choices put us in bad spots. Poor decisions lead us to bad, bad consequences. But um, good, wise investments uh, help us make good decisions and live a better life. That's a pretty easy concept to understand. Sometimes Jesus's parables are difficult, but that, this one is pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. But I think the, the part of the parable that's deeper maybe And the part that's noteworthy is that actually not the part about the rock or the sand, but the part about the storm. The part about the storm. The storm is actually the tool that Christ uses to reveal the foundation that we have built. The storm is a really important part of the story because the storm defines if we have been wise or foolish. In fact, there's really no telling before the storm. Uh, you, may, you may act, look, dress like a wise man. Everyone may think you're living in wisdom, you're making good choices. Perhaps from the outside, it looks like things are all put together. But in reality, you may be shoveling sand underneath your house nonstop. And when the storm comes, it will blow over. So in this parable, I think it's interesting that both the wise and the foolish builders face the storm. Did you ever think about that? Jesus doesn't say, if you're wise and you make good decisions and you make sure you make everything in place, you'll never face a storm. He never says that. In fact, in this parable, both the wise and the foolish face the storm. The wise man doesn't get to opt out of the storm because he's made good choices. 
You may never have smoked a cigarette or been exposed to tobacco in your whole life, but still get lung cancer. You may be completely pure before you get married, save yourself for your spouse, but still not be able to conceive a child. I don't get it. In fact, I don't even like it because it's not really fair. But it's a broken world, and we cannot avoid the storm. Everyone will face them. Everyone will be subject to trial or storm at some point in your life. In fact, some of you have wrestled in 2017 because you faced something, and you've said, God, what have I done to deserve this? Why are you punishing me? What is it that, what, what bad decision, what are you unhappy with me about that I'm facing this storm? And God is saying, no, 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 it's not a punishment. Everyone faces storms. It reveals your foundation. Everyone faces storms. Many of you in this room have shared with me storms that you have dealt with. In this room alone, some of you are dealing with uh, parents that you lost this year. Some of you are dealing with health concerns that, that are terminal, that the doctor is giving you very little hope, or it's causing you some major frustration. Some of you um, ha- are dealing with abuse or, or, or issues from your past of abuse. Some of you have been accused of crimes you didn't commit. Some of you have fathers that abandon you. Some of you live with disabilities you never asked for. Some of you are alone this Christmas when you never thought you would be for circumstances. We, we face storms. We face storms of confusion. Uh, we face storms of doubt. We often ask God, why am I in this spot? Why, why am I struggling? Maybe you felt like your faith was strong, but now that something came up against it, you're just not sure anymore. You never thought that you'd be in the position of doubting God, but, but here you are. And you don't even know where to turn because if you admit it out loud, you're afraid that someone is going to judge you or, or, or not accept the questions that you have. We face storms of loneliness. We face storms of unanswered prayer. And then when that happens, when we feel like our prayers don't work, we have to grapple with, well, God, did I really hear you? Am am I hearing you? Are you faithful? And we have all these questions, and, and we have to process through it. These are all storms. They all happen to us, wise and foolish builders of the like. In fact, in James 1, 2 through 4, it talks about, Storms, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And the scripture says that those storms that we're facing, we should look at them with joy. What a paradigm in the kingdom of God. Instead of looking at it as um, frustration and trial and, and, God, why are you angry at me? To look at that storm and say, God, I consider this pure joy because it's going to produce perseverance and test my faith. It's going to show me what kind of foundation I have. In a survey of hundreds of people, um, I read that they were asked, what is the most formative factor in your spiritual growth? What's the number one thing that helped you grow spiritually? And the overwhelming response was pain. It was pain. It was suffering. The role of suffering in our faith is so hard because we don't want it. <laughs> we, don't, we don't sign up for it. There isn't a class on Wednesday night called pain. You know, come, we'll give it to you. <laughs> uh, you, don't, you don't say, I'm ready for it, God. I'm ready for the trial. I'm ready for the suffering, bring it on. 
You choose to go to Bible study, you choose to go to worship, you choose to do things to develop spiritually, but pain is not something you pick. You don't choose the storm. In fact, <laughs> I think if we got to choose a storm, maybe we would choose like an itty bitty tornado over all the snow, you know, just come in and out. Or we would choose something that perhaps wouldn't reveal our foundation, but we just have to endure it. C.S. Lewis said this, I love this quote, pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So if we know the storm is coming in some way, in some capacity, how do we prepare ourselves to choose the rock? How do we make sure that our foundation is strong, that our foundation is secure? Well, here's your takeaway, the thing I want you to share. Remember, repeat, when someone asks you this week what was church about, this is what you can say to them. Our takeaway today is obedience prepares you for the storm. Say that to the person next to you, just because it's really weirdly quiet in here. Say it to the person next to you. Obedience prepares you for the storm. So <clears throat> people in Erie have snow shovels. If you don't, you should get one. <laughs> people, we have snow blowers. I heard they were sold out this week. But people, you have gloves, right? You have boxes of, of snow suits. And, and hopefully, you have a friend with a really big truck. Okay, that's, those are the key things to living here. But we prepare. When the storm comes, we're ready. We're, we're ready for it. We prepare for it because we know that it's coming. And so we are better prepared for what life will throw at us if we diligently seek what God says in our life. Obedience is the key to a durable life. And so sometimes we do things that Jesus asks us to do, uh, like this parable he's talking. He says, here's how you deal with anger. Here's how you deal with lust and divorce and marriage and loving your enemies and worrying and fasting and praying. He's saying, listen to me, do what I say, and that will build your life uh, on a, the foundation of a solid rock. And so when the storm comes, you will be prepared. So some people might say, well, if I know something is going to happen, how do I brace myself? Do I just sit around and worry all the time? Do I make sure that, you know, I store away every scent that I have just in case something terrible happens? Do I live in this caution? And Jesus says, no, I will take care of you, but how you can prepare for the storm is be obedient to the things that I tell you to do in my word. The definition of maturity is this, doing something even when you don't feel like it. So spiritual maturity is the same thing. Do things for your soul even when you don't feel like it. Come to church on December 31st in the snow. You guys are awesome. Look at that. That you're doing, even maybe when you don't feel like it, the spiritually mature thing to be obedient. And Romans 10, 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. And so one of the most important things about being obedient is hearing. It's to actually hear the voice of God, to actually tune into God's voice. And I think this takes a lot more practice and discipline than we give it credit for. Some people are like, yeah, I listen. Like, I come, I come to church, I listen, or I listen to podcasts or whatever. But have you ever been in a conversation or maybe in a podcast or maybe in a church service, and all of a sudden your mind begins to wander? I think this happens to Joel all the time when I'm talking. And he's like, mm-hmm. And I'm like, I asked you a question. Blue. <laughs> it's not even a question that requires a color. <laughs> and after a while, you kind of wake up and you realize that you, mi you missed a bunch of what was said. 
Now, you're supposed to say here, no, Pastor Nicole, that never happens when you're preaching. Can you just go with that? But this is the deal. If you can't keep your mind on what's being said, you won't gain anything from the word of God. Okay? So, if the enemy goes to trouble to attack you with a wandering mind, then perhaps something being said is exactly what you need to hear. So don't just say, I have a wandering mind because I have a lot going on. I mean, there's a lot going on this week. I think sometimes the enemy is literally trying to distract you, and you need to take discipline to get your mind straight into the Word of God. Because if you don't hear the Word of God, then you cannot apply it to your life. So of course he wants your mind to wander. The more time we spend thinking and reading and hearing God's word, the more power and ability we will have to do it. And the more revelation knowledge we have about it, basically we get from the word of God what we put into it, what we focus in on. And we need to work really hard, especially in our culture with interruptions and and all of that, the, the technology that we have, to really hear the word of God. And I believe that if the enemy sees that we're not going to give in, that we're going to hear the word of God, that he will give up. And that he will allow us to hear the word of God so that we can be obedient and prepare for the storm. Secondly, uh, the other part is in James 1.22 that says, don't merely listen to the word, we're hearing it, and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Do it, do it, do what it says. Have you ever had someone in your life um, that you try to talk to, but they just, maybe they just blow you off? Like you try to give them advice, suggestions, opinions, and they always do the opposite. Maybe they don't ever return your texts, or maybe they ignore you altogether in public. And you kind of get to the point where you're like, okay, I can only tell you so many times. I'm just going to, apparently my opinion doesn't matter, so I'm just not going to give it. Anyone ever been there but me? All right. So that feeling. Now, I don't, this is not in the scripture, but I just wonder if that's how God feels sometimes. I wonder if when we hear his word, when we know his commands, but we just continually blow him off, that he becomes a little silent, that he becomes a little gun-shy, that he's just waiting for us to take what we heard and do it to start speaking again. In fact, if you feel like you haven't heard from God in a long time, maybe this whole year you can only remember one time that you felt prompted by God to do something, or you, um, you, you really haven't heard from God in a while, I'm going to challenge you to go back and remember the last time you heard from him. What did he say? And did you do that thing? Did you do what he said? Or did you uh, just kind of do it? Or did you start doing it? Maybe he said, get up every morning and pray. And you did it for like a solid two weeks. And, and, now, and now you really just aren't hearing from God anymore. If you abandon it or didn't do it, be obedient to that command. Because I really believe that that will put you again in a position to hear God's voice more clearly. Because the more we fail to act, the less likely we will ever do it. And God's word says, hear it and then do it. Hear it and then do it. Obedience prepares us for the storm. You know, I love this morning, we had such a sweet time of worship and and a prayer that we could never wear out is, God, here's my life. I'm available. God, here's my life. I'm available. What part of it do you want to refine? What part of it needs some work? And what a beautiful prayer to pray on the last day of 2017 and the first day of 2018. 
That God, you have my whole life. I give it to you. Do with it what you want. Show me the things that I need to, to firm up in my foundation. Where is it that I'm shoveling sand where you want me to have solid rock in obedience? I heard this um, <clears throat> analogy once, and I, I loved it. I may have shared it. You may have heard it before, but um, it's a story about the San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge. How many of you have ever seen the San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge? All right. I brought a picture for you in case you've never seen it. And it spans 4,200 feet long, almost a mile. It's brilliant orange. And also in San Francisco, there are six fault lines that run through the region. They run all through the city. And the most notable and um, recognizable is the San Andreas Fault. This fault runs uh, the Santa Cruz Mountains up through the peninsula and directly beneath the Golden Gate Bridge. And there's been hundreds of earthquakes in California. In fact, based on the most recent report, geologists estimate that there's a 62% chance that a 6.7 or larger earthquake will hit San Francisco in the next 20 years. So there's bound to be more. There's bound to be more earthquakes because of the way that the fault lines are. But do you know where the safest place to be during that earthquake is? On that bridge. Feet from the fault line where the earthquake will literally incise. If you're in San Francisco that day, you should hope that you're driving on that bridge. Because modern knowledge of the effect of earthquakes on structures led them to retrofit the Golden Gate Bridge to better resist seismic events. And the foundation of that bridge is dug so deep and is so much in the rock. It was so thought through. It is so firm that it is not going anywhere. And the proximity of the San Andreas Fault places it at risk for a significant earthquake, but it will be the safest place to stand when the storm comes. And I loved that picture because I believe our lives can be the same way. If you are a wise builder, you can stand in the middle of where the storm is going to hit, the very fault line the earthquake will be birthed from, and you will be safe because of your obedience to God's word. And that's my prayer for us this year as we go into 2018, that obedience will prepare us for the storm, that obedience will prepare us as we face anything in 2018, and that God, as we know, will just continue to be faithful. I love how we see in this parable that we see a God who wants to protect us from the storm. He gives us guidelines and expectations. He shows us how to be obedient because he loves us so much that he wants us to be protected from the storms of life. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. <clears throat> God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you, Lord, for these men and women that came to church to hear your word. And I thank you, Lord, that you will bring a special blessing to them today as they go out. God, I pray that we can be obedient, that we can hear your word, we can hear it clearly, and that we can do it, Lord that we can be obedient, Father, because as we do that, we are building a solid foundation that we can stand on through any storm, through any situation, through any difficulty, Father. God, that we can prepare now for anything that will be thrown at us in 2018 and beyond, because we know that the Word of God protects us, the Word of God allows us to see the best life. God, I believe you didn't come to make our lives easy, but you came to make our lives great. And so, Father, we want that John 10.10 10 abundant life 
Lord, we want to live in it. And we pray, God, that you would show us the places we need to adjust. God, here's our life. We do this all for you. Would you refine us? Would you show us the best way? God, we love you. We give you praise. We thank you for who you are. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.